The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours, or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. This is is one of those gospel passages. I think you'd um, read it, read it, read it, and always there is um, new meaning, uh, new, new layers, uh, new um, new issues and, and ideas to uh, to probe. Uh, the thing that kind of springs to my mind uh, right now is, you know, how how would Jesus's first audience have have heard this passage? Especially when you when you see you might have you might have missed it in the beginning because the like the story itself is is so powerful, the parable is so powerful. You might have you might have missed that in the beginning uh, we get this briefest of introductions to say, Jesus said to the Pharisees. Now, it's always the, um, perhaps the most important um, item for discernment of what's going on in the parables is who Jesus is talking to. And here he's talking to the Pharisees. And you just think, as they're hearing this, maybe I'll, of course, I'll get into it a little, <laughs> maybe I'll get into it, yeah. I will get in, I'll get into it. But their their response to this is, He's he's like he's he's got them on a swivel, as it were, right? He's he's um, twisting them back and forth in this thing. Make this passage, this parable, make them very very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. This is the kind of work that we see Jesus doing throughout the Gospels to get people kind of um, shaken out of their their own, I don't know, ideas and, and commitments and so on and so forth, and and prepared to receive the word that that God is sowing in their midst. The call to repentance that Jesus is issuing uh, to all, some people just have to get spun around a bit in order to hear it. Now, it, maybe, that, maybe that's us. Do you know? We have to get kind of shaken out of our stupor. Maybe that's us as well. Yeah, but, and, but again, let's, let's just take a look at it, a quick look at it. Here, Jesus um, gives, this is, this is uh, 
very common kind of form of, of story with this idea of reversal of fortunes in the world to come. And um, the, the challenge there is, uh, of course, uh, sorry, what, what we have to begin with is Israel's sense of God reversing injustice and punishing the people, the peoples who abused them in the world to come, right? They believe in a God of justice. They believe that they're his chosen people, right? They're about his work in the world. If they commit themselves to lives of, of uh, holiness and justice, then, then no matter what it is they face, God will sort it out. Yeah, so there's, there's always this kind of, uh, for, for the people of Israel who knew themselves to be a suffering people, there's always this sense of reversal of fortunes in, in the age to come. Yeah? What's, what's remarkable about the passage, of course, is that Jesus is not talking about the age to come here. That's not what he's doing. He's talking about his own ministry, which brings that reversal of fortunes to life here and now. So the, at, the, uh, at the end of the parable, which you probably note, the parable of the, of the prodigal son, the father says in celebration, you know, we, oh, sorry, he's saying in celebration, but to the elder son, who also is the Pharisee, right, he says, this brother of yours was dead and has come to life again. And here at the end of this passage, we see, neither will they be persuaded if someone shall rise from the dead. Because in the, again, in the work of Jesus, he's raising people from the dead. And he's establishing, uh, he's, he's, a, he's establishing God's loving and just and merciful rule there and then, yes, according to the Pharisees, with all the wrong people. So this is the challenge. You know, this is, this is the challenge. The people that the Pharisees walked over every day, right? And I'm always kind of a bit careful on this because, again, the beginning of the, of the thing goes, the beginning of the parable goes, there was a rich man who dressed in purple, you know, and fine linen, okay? Yeah, they know my preferences, okay, for liturgical garb. It's like, okay, you got me stuck here, do you know? But this is, right, it, the, the man... I don't need sumptuously every day, by the way. But anyway, okay. Anyway, no, I just got to get some distance here. Feeling uh, kind of put, kind of put, put on, yeah, um, yeah. Th no, this is it, right? Like the, the Pharisee and and Jesus. So again, this the parable is is not really about money, but Jesus goes hard at the Pharisees to say, "You're lovers of money. You're lovers of money." He doesn't say, "You're lovers of God." You're just getting it a little bit wrong. No, you idolaters. You're spiritual adulterers. You love money. Money is the center of your life, which is why they step over Lazarus every day. Because what can he get? What what can they get out of Lazarus? He's a he's a uh, right. He's he's decaying in front of them. They want to step over him. Get the dogs licked his sores. You know this is whatever. They don't want anything to do with this. You know, I'm not going to get anything because they because they've um, they've misappropriated the things of God. God, give him, God gives them everything. The law and the prophets, right? God, here it is. They have Moses and the prophets. They have Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets commands them to take care of Lazarus. And Lazarus, for the Pharisees, is also the people that they don't want anything to do with. 
tax collectors and prostitutes, people who are undermining their agenda as lovers of money. And Jesus is enacting God's agenda, agenda as lovers of people. Right? People. And so they'll step over him every day, and, and they live in opposition to what Jesus is doing, which is raising these people, these down-and-outs, from the dead and giving them new life as sons of Abraham. It's happening there and then. So this is, this is the reversal that's happening in Jesus' ministry. But we, we have to see it as well for, for ourselves. Yeah, we, of course, we are those people, likewise, who have been called from death to life. Yeah, by your baptism and by faith, you've made the journey from death to life. We have to put off the old man, and we have to embrace and live out the vocation of the new man in the, in the power of God's own life of love, Jesus' spirit. We can, we can get the agenda right. But it means that we, ha we have to, in a sense, divest ourselves of the the worldly pursuits that we otherwise find ourselves caught up in. Because we'll be lovers of the true and living God, or we'll be lovers of money, or something else, right? But we, we want to be lovers of the true and living God. And we certainly don't want to misappropriate the things of God for ourselves and our own worldly ambitions and agendas. We want to use everything that God has given us for Him and for His purposes. And chief among them, the, the radical generosity that he shows us, right? The, the love and the mercy that he shows us. Do we extend that to the people that God entrusts to our care? Yeah, and ho hopefully what's happening this Lenten season for us is that when I ask that question, you say no. Not that you say yes. Yes is the stuff of smugness and self-absorption. Right? Do you, do you love with the radical generosity and mercy that God shows you the people that he entrusts to your care? You need to say no. And if you're not saying no, you're probably not getting off your couch enough. I hate to tell you. <laughs> I don't hate to tell you. I love to tell you. Right? You, gotta, you have to get up. Because charity is more active. Charity is proactive. And we don't do it enough and we don't do it well enough. And we don't want to find ourselves in the position of the rich man here stepping over Lazarus. Right? What has been entrusted to us is, is charity in, in the extreme. Right? Radical I mean, radical generosity. And if our lives are not an expression of radical generosity, then, then, we're, not, then we're not serving as well as we could the mission that God has called us into. The mission itself that has saved us. The mission for, uh, for which we now work. You know, and, and this is, this is it. Yeah, of course, there's, of course, the theme at the end of if someone should rise from the dead. And we get that connection with the, uh, with the parable of the prodigal son. You're seeing, you're, you know, the Pharisees, you're seeing dead people come to life. You're seeing the people that you thought, you know, didn't have a, a, a shred of holiness in them. Praise the true and living God of what he's doing. You know, and, and you're not convinced. Will, will someone whose heart, whose heart is that hard be convinced when Jesus himself rises from the dead? And we are witnesses to the resurrection of Christ Jesus. He has defeated death. Yeah, so now we, we have confidence, even though we say, no, we're not doing it enough and we're not doing it well enough, we have confidence that he can do that good work in us. 
He can, he can raise us from the dead. He's defeated death. He has defeated death. He can conquer also the hardness of my heart.